Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88,000. It's good to see you guys. Hey, before we get started this morning, I want to take a moment. We're going to pray over the nation of Israel. And uh, the word is very, very clear on this. It says that if we bless Israel, we'll be blessed. It also says that those that curse Israel will be cursed. I don't know about y'all. I want to be blessed. And it's God's people. It's his chosen nation. And uh, they're under attack. And uh, so we're going to pray for them. Let's do that right now. Lord, we come before you, we lift up the nation of Israel to you. Lord, we recognize that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities of this dark world. And so, Lord, we understand that there is a spiritual battle that is happening. And we thank you that that battle is a part of a war that is already won by you. But Lord, we lift up the natural needs, the natural hurt, loss, and devastation that's happening in that nation. God, I pray that you would manifest your Holy Spirit even in the midst of fighting and violence. God, I ask for an outpouring of your Spirit on those families whose moms and children have been kidnapped and being held ransom. Father, I pray that just like it has been happening throughout the Middle East, that Jesus would begin to reveal himself even to these terrorists. God, I pray that they would have dreams and visions where they would see the Messiah, King Jesus, and they would turn their hearts towards you, that they would repent, that they would deny the false gods that they've been worshiping for hundreds of years. Lord, I pray and we believe that you work all things to the good of those who love you or are called according to your purpose. God, we thank you that you're gonna move in a mighty way and that you will be glorified even in this. We pray for the leadership of that nation. We pray that you would give them supernatural wisdom, direction. We pray for safety over all the military personnel. Be with them. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's good to remember that King Jesus is still on the throne, no matter what happens. Amen. If you believe that, let's give the Lord a hand this morning. We trust him. We are in this series, No Plan B. God has a vision for our lives, and this morning I want to talk about the vision that he has for the home. How many of you have ever been to Ikea? Anybody ever been to Ikea before? Okay. I want to specifically ask for the husbands to raise your hands if you've been. We're going to open the altars right now because I know that there is healing that needs to happen. You know, there, there was probably some manifestations that happened while you were at at Ikea and, and deliverance is here for us today. And so, but uh, I will say, if you haven't been to Ikea, uh, you're blessed. And, but my wife loves Ikea. Uh, that's, she loves it. It's one of the reasons why I avoid Memphis. Uh, there's a couple reasons why I avoid Memphis, but Ikea is one of the reasons why I, I don't, I, I don't wanna go over there because Ikea, it is how many of y'all how many of y'all are old enough to remember the movie Labyrinth? Y'all remember, remember okay, so the main character, this girl, she's trapped in the labyrinth. That is IKEA. That's what that is. It, it's 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 the manifestation of that movie. And you walk in there and they literally you you walk through a maze that and you you there's you can only walk one way. If you try to go the other way. They, they'll look at you violently. Like they, I, I, I promise you, like you, they want you to walk all the way through the store. And as you're walking through this, there's these displays set up that, that give off these perfect little arrangements 
of rooms and different things. And it, it's, it's all very manipulative, all right? And, and, and basically what Ikea is, it's the Hotel California of cheap furniture and Swedish meatballs. You'll never leave there, okay? You'll never, you'll never. And so, so, and, and so if you ever, if you go, just know that it's gonna be five hours that you will never get back, okay? It, 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 it's, they actually, I, they have like a husband support room at the, towards the end where I, I don't, I, I, I wanna believe they have a prayer team in there. I don't think so, but you know, I, but, but here's the thing. You go through and, and you, you just, you pick a number of a piece of furniture or whatever, and then you hand it to these people at the end. And then what they do is they bring you boxes. They bring you a box. And immediately you know you're in trouble because you're like, that doesn't look anything like the thing that I liked. It's in a box, okay? And I don't know how you guys feel about instructions, all right? I know we all kind of have different points of view. And so you may feel this way. You may feel like, you know what? I'm a red-blooded American living in Arkansas. I don't need some little paper book that I'm gonna thumb through to tell me how to put this together like a sissy. I'm gonna do that. And I just wanna tell you, if that's your point of view, you are doomed from the beginning because I feel like I'm pretty proficient at putting things together. But I wanna tell you, when it comes to something from Ikea, if you don't use the instructions, about an hour and a half, two hours in it, you're gonna be standing next to a bookshelf. The problem is you bought a desk. <laughs> and then you're gonna have to go dig through the trash, and find them instructions, you know, and they're gonna be nasty food on them. Your nasty kids who throw stuff away, waste food all the time. And it's just gonna be a sad time. So all of it, all of it's a horrible experience. But the point is this, God has given you instructions of how to put things together in your life. And if you ignore them, it will not turn out the way that you want it to turn out. You have to follow the instructions that God has to build your life the right way, you've gotta have a clear picture of what it is that you're trying to build and how it's supposed to be built. You've gotta have vision. You gotta have vision. Every area of your life that matters, you're gonna to have to have vision. This is what God's word says about in Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law Happy is he, little throwback King James for all of y'all that love King James. Where there is no vision, the people perish. You have to have vision for anything that matters. In your career, you have to have vision. If you don't, you're gonna end up feeling stuck and frustrated and resentful. For your spiritual life, you have to have vision. Otherwise, you won't grow. You'll end up in a rut, empty, dry in your soul, and eventually you'll begin to drift or walk away from the things of God. And for your home, and I would say more than ever, you must have vision. What are you trying to build? If you're married, what are you trying to build in your marriage? If you have kids, what are you trying to build? But for sure, in yourself, what is your vision? What is the vision that God has given? What are the instructions of how to put it together? In Proverbs 23, or 24, 3, it says, by wisdom a house is built. Everybody say built. And by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. How many of y'all want to have a home filled with, some, filled with some precious and pleasant riches? Well, here's the thing. It's built. It's put together on purpose. And any time you're building something, it's going to require vision of how to put it together. There's never been a healthy, spirit-filled, joy-filled, peace-filled, fruit-of-the-spirit-filled home that happened on accident. It is built on purpose. 
The reason why any of those things happen in a home is because somebody in that home had some vision. The type of family that you're going to end up with will either happen by default or by design. The sad thing is, and we see it all the time, it's not uncommon for me to sit down with someone who's struggling with some dynamic in their home, their marriage, raising kids, financial, whatever it is, and at one point or another in the course of that conversation, I'll wind up hearing this, I just don't know how we ended up here. How did we get to this place? And almost always it's because there was no vision to keep you from that place. There was no plan, no vision for the family, no design, it happened by default. Either you will have vision for your home or somebody else will. Somebody is gonna have vision for your home. The education system is gonna have vision for your home. The entertainment industry is gonna have vision for your home. Social media companies definitely gonna have vision for your home. If you're raising kids, eventually they'll be teenagers. And you will need the almighty God and all of his power, strength and provision to live through that season. But I'm raising kids. My, my oldest is almost 17. And so as we get into these different phases of life, it's important that they have vision around those seasons. And so we give vision around what it means to have a boyfriend or have a girlfriend. By the grace of God, my daughter has her mom's smarts and she knows that boys are stupid. <laughs> that boys do not have the ability at this phase to be able to keep up even remotely, intelligently, emotionally, maturity-wise. And so she knows that that's not an area that she is interested in delving into. But regardless, we give vision. I give vision to my girls of the expectations that they can have when it comes to being pursued by hopefully a man someday and not a boy. A piece of that vision would be something like this. My girls are Ferraris not Hondas. What do I mean? My girls understand that they do not have to advertise themselves to get attention. Lamborghinis don't have to advertise themselves to know their value. Hondas have to advertise themselves all the time to try to prove their value. My girls are Lamborghinis, not Hondas. You give them vision. And if you do that, just like the word says, raise them up in the way that they should go so that later on they don't depart from that. So we have vision because we know that if we don't give them that vision, it makes them vulnerable, more vulnerable. At some point or another, there will be some boy or some girl that if we don't have vision for their life, that boy or girl will try to have vision for our kids' lives. We're not interested in that vision. We're interested in God's vision for them, amen? Every house needs vision. Even your spiritual home needs vision. So here at NLC, we have vision for what we believe God is wanting for our lives. And Pastor Rick laid that out last week. If you missed that message, I encourage you to go back and watch it. But some of the main points of the vision for this home, for this house, is we're going to follow Jesus, we're gonna to grow together, we're gonna to serve one another, and we're gonna live on mission. We want this for our church family, for sure, but we believe it's also what God desires for all of us in our homes, in your homes, with your families. Even if you've tried to do something before and failed, it's not too late to restart. I love this quote from a pastor named Adrian Rogers. He said it this way, the name or the same Jesus who turned water into wine can transform your home, your life, your family, and your future. He is still in the miracle working business and his business is the business of transformation. And he wants to transform your home. Where do we start? Number one, I must accept God's assignment. I must accept God's assignment. Here's the starting point for all of this. It's a calling from God for you specifically. It's an assignment for us that we have to take responsibility for. So let's go to some scriptural basis for this. Deuteronomy chapter six, 
This is God speaking to the nation of Israel. He's trying to reestablish their identity in him. And he tells them, this is what you do. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In Jewish culture, they will do this literally. They would wrap scripture in ribbons around their arms. They would actually take portions of scripture and put it in a box and bind it to their heads and at every home in Israel. You can see every Jewish home, you can see scripture put in a little container in the doorpost. And that's great that they do that, but that what God is saying is this, it should be evident in everything and everyone around you what your priority and focus is, and that is the will of God. It should be on everything. It should be evident in everything that you love the Lord your God with everything that you have. When God is talking about family, the home, this is the starting point. You're responsible for how you lead your home. God has assignment for you. So real quickly, I wanna talk to any of the single people in here, whether, or what, or whether you are or not called to be married, and some single people are not called to be married. And I'm sorry for the pressure that sometimes culture and even the church puts on single people that they have to be married. Paul talked about it, he says, it's better for you to remain single so you can be more wholeheartedly dedicated to the things of God, okay? So there are people that have that calling, the calling and giftedness of singleness. But whether or not you are called to be married, your assignment is this, know who you are in Christ. You build a firm identity in what his word says about you, what his spirit says about you, that no matter what, there is an overflow of your personal, individual life lived in love with Jesus. And that overflow will continue throughout the course of your life. And if by some chance you are called to be married at one point or another, you will not depend on that person for your identity in Christ. You won't have an unhealthy bond where it's two half people trying to make a whole person. When you're following the Holy Spirit, when you're being filled with his spirit, being filled with his word, making it your priority to know who you are in Christ. When two people wake up every day making that, that their goal and their aim, then one day a man and a woman led by the Holy Spirit may come together and when those two people that wake up every day and make it their priority to be 100% who they are in Christ, when those people come together, they have a, a chance and a potential to be 200%, 200% effective for the kingdom of God. And that is the kind of marriage and covenant marriage and biblical marriage that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. That is God's design. But your assignment as a single person, you prepare yourself to be the best individual that God created you to be in the meantime. And if you are a married couple, and it is God's will, and the desire in your heart to have children, whether or not that has happened yet, whether or not it has not happened, but you want it, you're desiring it, but you're waiting and standing in faith that God is gonna bring the right timing in the right way, whatever it is, if you are married, but you don't have kids yet, what's your responsibility? Your responsibility is to love each other the way that Christ loves the church. You live sacrificially every single day. There is a spirit-led, spirit-filled, holy competition in a covenant marriage where a man and a woman try to outserve each other every day. Why? Because that is the character of Christ. You lay down your life for each other. You let the overflow of your personal lives constantly overflow into each other. And the manifestation of that will be ministry. The manifestation of that will be a testimony. And the manifestation of that will be the enemy can't come in and rip apart what God has put together. But you do that and you wait for God's timing for the rest of the family to come along. You have to know what the assignment is. You have to accept the assignment. 
and it cannot be delegated to anyone else. You can't give this to someone else. It's not for someone else to do. So if you are married, if you do have children, you have an assignment and it cannot be delegated. I've raised kids long enough that I've been at their schools at Valentine's. And I've been in these classrooms where they have Valentine's boxes. And it is very clear as you walk around there, the kids that put their own Valentine's boxes together and the kids who have Pinterest moms that spend hours, probably until 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, the night before, building Valentine's boxes that are social media worthy, right? Versus the kid that's like, just slap some like little googly eyes on a box and cut a hole. Shove some candy in there for me, will ya? I have been to the schools where there's a science fair. And it's very clear as you walk around and look at those different displays. As you go and you see Johnny, who made a model of the solar system to scale. And Johnny can't even tie his own shoes. And you know, Johnny didn't build that. Mommy and daddy built that for Johnny. Okay, no hate, I get it. Sometimes you help your kids that way. You can't delegate this. You can't give it to someone else. You're responsible. You're responsible to build it. Proverbs 1.8 says this, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. God puts the responsibility for the home on the shoulders of the parents. Fathers instruct, mothers teach. Here's the thing. We have great schools. We have incredible teachers. We have good leadership in our city and community. Amen. Are you thankful for that? I know that I am. But here's the thing. How I lead my home is not an assignment from those teachers, it is an assignment from God Almighty. Our kids have gone through Little Life, Kid Life, NLC Youth, and we have pastors in every one of those ministries who love our kids, love your kids, and will do everything that they can to pour into them, to disciple them, and to teach them the word of God. But we are here as a church to partner with you in doing that. You cannot delegate the responsibility of raising your kids to the church or to anyone. You can't delegate it to coaches. You can't delegate it to anyone. It is your assignment. And here's where a lot of families get off track. The husband or the wife, the father or the mother, whoever the leader is in the home, they choose to be passive instead of responsible. And I understand why. I understand why, because it's easy to be passive. Because we get up, we work all day, we come home, cook dinner, do dishes, clean around the house, get things ready for the next day. The easiest thing to do is to let your family be on autopilot. The easiest thing to do is to turn on the TV, give your kids their electronics, and just hope for the best. That approach can happen sometimes. But if it happens all the time, you're setting yourself up. It's not gonna be good. It's not gonna be good. Let me speak specifically to the men, especially when it comes to the spiritual things in your home, you have to be really honest with yourselves. Where are you? Are you finding that you are not leading in your home? You have to let the Lord do a work in your heart. If you are missing the overflow of accomplishing that assignment, it's your responsibility. You cannot delegate devotional life. You can't hope you're just gonna get enough on Sunday to limp through another week. You have to seek the Lord. And it doesn't have to look like anyone else, but it has to be there. 
there has to be dedicated, designated space for you to hear from the Lord on the assignment that he's given you so that you have something to give to. You have to have that. Proverbs 18 says that a man who is passive or lazy is a brother to someone who destroys. And sometimes a man who does nothing is just as harmful as a man who does the wrong thing. Your family needs you to be actively involved in the health, the spiritual growth of your family. And I can say this because if I'm not careful, even as a pastor, it can be me. I can end up in a ditch. I can end up in a rut. I can come home so easy and just check out. Just tired. I want to go through highs and lows of the day. I don't want to pray over every meal. I don't want to pray over my kids before they go to bed. I don't want to finish my devotion. It can happen to any of us. It can happen to any of us. Let's kick being passive to the curb. Let's take responsibility for our homes. Amen. Number two, I must adopt God's vision for my home. You have to recognize, first of all, there's an assignment, but not only is there an assignment, the, the person who gives you the assignment is also giving you the vision. You have to adopt it, though. There's so many areas you can be thinking about and dreaming about for your family. What could be better? What could be better in my marriage? What goals do we have? What dreams do we have? It's easy to get inspired hearing something, maybe even hearing something like this and to go and buy like a brand new notepad and start writing down all kinds of different things. I've done it a few times. Here's my goal and vision journal, you know? There's nothing wrong with that. But there's no better way for you to start crafting a vision for your family than to adopt the vision that God has already written up. He created you. He created marriage. He created the family. Let's go to him and get the components that we need and the vision that we need for it to be successful. How many of you right now, if I asked you, what is the dish that your mom or maybe your dad or maybe a grandparent, what's the dish that they make that no one else can make it like them? How many of y'all would be able to tell me what that dish is? How many would be able to tell me, okay? Coming into the holiday season, that's one of the things you're looking forward to the most. You're just like, nobody makes this dish like so-and-so, okay? Like if I was gonna think about that on my mom's side of the family, they have steak casserole, all right? It's an amazing dish. I remember my mom all making it growing up. Mom makes it now, but it's specific. There's, there's ingredients, there's directions, uh, or, or my mom's potato soup. Or maybe there's a dessert. Like It's like nobody makes this like mama, okay? Well, here's what would be foolish. What would be foolish is for you to have that, taste it. It'd be really good for you to leave and just be like, I'm gonna try it. I'm just gonna go home. I'm just gonna try to whip something up. I'm just gonna try to, and, and, then, and then think that it's somehow gonna turn out exactly the way that they make it. Because the reality is this, if they're willing to give you the recipe, if they're willing to give you the recipe, the fact is, even if they give you the recipe, there is creative work that happens in every one of those dishes. So you can't even just measure every little thing. Like there's a little bit of creativity that happens. And if you try, you may come up with something, but it is not gonna be as good as what they can make. And it's the same thing for the vision in your home. God has all the ingredients and he's given you the recipe and the beautiful thing is the Holy Spirit will come along and give you the creative ability to adapt what needs to be adapted so that it turns out as good as what God would make. He'll do that for you. But you have to be willing to adopt it. God knows what he's doing. 
He knew what he was doing when he put the family together. Let's go back to the scripture. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So when God is talking about the family, his vision for it, it looks like this. I want your family to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, with all of your strength. So I think that you should literally write that down as a hope to see in your family. Number one, God, I want a family that loves you with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength. I wanna have a family that knows your word and has it planted in their hearts. Last week, we looked at this quote from D.L. Moody. Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. When you're thinking about vision for your home, it always starts with the things that really matter. And what you don't wanna do is spend your whole life climbing a ladder only to get to the end of your life and find out you were climbing the wrong ladder. We have to adopt God's vision for our home. Verse seven, impress, on, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. What the word is saying is show them, teach them, model what it looks like to follow Jesus. The most powerful thing that your kids can be exposed to is not the one or maybe two hours a week that we have them here at church. That is powerful. And we'll do everything we can, like I said, to partner with you to make sure that we are supplementing and that we are encouraging the same thing that hopefully they're hearing at home, that they're gonna hear here. That is powerful, but it is not the most powerful thing that they'll experience. These conferences, where kids will get away for a couple of days, two, three days, powerful. We always pray for those conferences. We believe the Holy Spirit moves in them. We believe that some of our students receive calling, receive vision, get right with Jesus, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit at those conferences. They are powerful. Do everything you can to get your student to those conferences, but they are not the most powerful thing that your students will experience. A week or two missions trip overseas where, where we can get outside of our comfort zone, where we can go to places where they have nothing except Jesus so it can remind us of how thankful and blessed but the huge responsibility that we have living in this nation and to see how God and see how the Holy Spirit knows no boundaries, knows no economic status, knows no language boundaries that he is moving and working. Those trips are so powerful do everything you can to get yourself on a trip and to get a student on a missions trip, but they are still not the most powerful thing that your student will ever experience. The most powerful thing that your children will ever experience is that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they see a mom, they see a dad, they see a mom and a dad together following, falling in love with Jesus every single day. That is the most powerful thing that your kids can ever experience. That is God's design for the family, that they see Jesus in the leadership of the home. You are the primary way that your kids are gonna learn about the character and heart of God. He set it up that way. It's actually so important that when he chose to give us roles as parents, he also chose to share his name with us. God shares his name with the man, Father. The Holy Spirit shares his name with the woman, Helper. So much of how your kids are gonna view God is gonna come from how you model what a godly parent looks like, which can be really scary for me because I can feel the weight of it. Sometimes it makes me think, Lord, could you set up a tag team rule on this? Like, it'd be really great if I could just go find like a super godly, amazing dad that in my mind has just nailed it in raising children. And could I just go tag them in? You go deal with the little crumb snatcher. I don't have it right now. I've already blown it. I've screamed at him. I've yelled at him. I've made him feel shameful. I've made, I've blown it. 
It's so easy to feel that way. But he's given it to me. And it's an honor. And it's a privilege. And his yoke is easy and his burden is light if he's with you carrying it. And he'll help you. He'll help you. Let me free you up around this. You're not gonna get it right all the time. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. But I think that's part of the point. Some of the most powerful times in raising kids is when I don't pretend like I'm perfect. When I mess up, and I don't pretend like I didn't mess up. If I respond in a way that's ungodly or do something in front of them that doesn't honor the Lord, I'm gonna repent. If we have conflict, we're gonna work it out in a God-honoring way. If we have emotional drama, we're gonna watch Gilmore Girls and then we're gonna pray afterwards. We're gonna live honestly. We're gonna deal with life the way that God has laid it out for us to deal with it. God knows that we're gonna mess up, but there's something so powerful about our kids seeing us get back up. Proverbs 24, 16, for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. Man, what an encouragement. Anytime the words or the number seven is used in the scripture, it is the number of wholeness and completion. And what's so encouraging about the verse is it's, it's saying this, you may feel like you've completely failed. But God has a call on your life. He'll help you get back up. And it's time. Get back up. Number three, I must be led by the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13, but when he, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. This is Jesus. This is Jesus speaking about the person, the third person of the Trinity, Holy Spirit. This is your secret weapon for living out God's vision in your home. We have to have the Holy Spirit. He is actively praying and interceding on our behalf, but he also wants to actively be working with us. But we have to recognize our need for him. In a couple of weeks, we're gonna talk more about what it means to have a spirit-led life. But I wanna encourage you to start in the meantime with something simple. Explaining the Trinity is not easy. Most things with God are way beyond our understanding. But we know what the Word says. The Word says that God the Father is in heaven. In whatever dimension that exists, it's too grand for us to even begin to articulate. And we know that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, who is also interceding on your behalf. And so we know that the manifested presence of God here with us is Holy Spirit. Numa, Barak in the Hebrew. So when you talk to the Lord, when you have conversation with him, let me challenge you. Most of the time when we talk, we pray, we're very used to and accustomed to using a few Names, God, Lord, Jesus, Father. They're not gonna get confused. They, the Trinity, God Almighty, is not gonna get confused based on semantics. But I would encourage you that for you, what if you started having a conversation with the person of the Trinity who's actually here, the Holy Spirit? What if just in your prayer life, you just simply started referring to the manifested presence of God in your life by name, Holy Spirit? Just try that. Try that. 
Because in order to live out God's vision for your home, you're going to need him. You're going to need him in the function of the great counselor, him in the function of the great helper, physician. He is power. And especially if you're raising kids, you are going to need supernatural strength and power. You're going to have to have the Holy Spirit actively working. Engage with him. See what he does. I want to talk for just a moment about some of you that may feel, look, I had a vision for my home, but it hasn't worked out the way that I hoped. People make choices. You can't control every choice that a person's made. And sometimes it throws a grenade and blows everything up. I understand. And I've walked through with so many people, the heartache and the pain. And some of us are in the middle of that right now. Some of us are on the other side of it, but still dealing with the pain, still dealing with the consequences, not of our choice, but the choice of someone else that decided to abandon the word of God, to abandon what biblical covenant look like between a man and a woman and decided to do their own thing. I'm sorry. But the fact is when those things happen, whether it's in your marriage or maybe with one of your kids or maybe even you, someone took their eyes off Jesus. Someone took their eyes off Jesus. So I was reminded in this passage, this story, this last week, Matthew chapter 14, when Peter gets out of the boat to walk on the water. It says in verse 29, then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, which I think is a really interesting phrase. He saw wind? No, he didn't see wind. He saw the manifestation of the wind. This is important because that is a lot of times what we're dealing with in the spiritual. The word says that the enemy roams around and roars like a lion seeking whom he can devour. The fact is the enemy has a loud roar, but he is toothless. <laughs> He's powerless. But so often we are looking, for the, looking at these natural manifestations of what he's trying to do. And we abandon the supernatural authority and power that we have because of Jesus. But it says that he saw the wind and was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And then he corrected him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? He doubted because he let his feelings and emotions be driven by what he could see in the natural instead of staying connected to a supernatural God. That's what happens. So some of you in your life, you may have taken your eyes off Jesus. And when you do things, begin to sink. And you may be discouraged because the vision in your home and the reality of life are worlds apart. Like I saw this, but now this, they can't get connected. Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, but Jesus never took his eyes off of Peter. God hasn't forgot you. God hasn't forgotten them, whoever they may be. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would continue to work in their hearts, to work in your heart, that even through the storms of life, it can cause us to take our eyes off of the Lord. I pray that you would know the power the Holy Spirit, and that he has never taken his eyes off of you, off of them. Our prayer is that you would once again lift your eyes back up to King Jesus, the author, perfecter of your faith, and that once again, you would declare and prophesy over your home the words of Joshua. But as for me, my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Amen? Let's close your eyes. Father, I thank you that you're faithful. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here.
and for ministering to us. Thank you for bringing encouragement that only you can bring. Thank you for bringing comfort that only you can bring. Because there are probably many in this room, even now, that your word, this message is stirring in their hearts, but maybe their own reality or even lies being screamed from the pit of hell or telling them you've already missed it. It's already too broken. It's already too far gone. You waited too long. And I pray that all those lies would be silenced in the name of Jesus in this room. That our spiritual ears would be opened to a heavenly father who loves us. That right now, peace that transcends understanding would guard hearts and minds. Guard the knowledge of our minds of what seems like reality. Guard the feelings and emotions of our hearts that feel so powerful and pour out a peace that doesn't make sense. It's supernatural. Speak to hearts, leaders in homes, single moms and single fathers, husbands and wives. Even if the original design seems to be completely destroyed. If Jesus is the foundation, anything can be rebuilt. Anything can be restored. Help us to accept the assignment. Help us to adopt the vision. Empower us and lead us. Holy Spirit. There might be at least a couple people here. The disconnect is you cannot receive the assignment. You cannot begin to walk in the vision until you've surrendered your life to the author of it. You have to surrender to Jesus. It's only through Jesus that we have access to God the Father. It's only through him that we have that relationship. And if you've never surrendered, you can't have that relationship. And I wanna give you an opportunity. Only the Holy Spirit can draw a person to a place of repentance. That word just means that you turn. Turn away from your plan. You turn away from your will. You turn away from what you want to do and you turn towards Jesus, towards his will, towards his word. And if you're here today and the Holy Spirit's already been speaking to you, you might have even have been anticipating in your heart that there might be a time when you're going to have an opportunity to say, ah, That's me, man. I, I'm away from Jesus. I don't have a personal relationship with him. I need to surrender to him. I wanna give you that opportunity. And I believe that this is a favorable moment for you. I don't know for sure if this is gonna be the last opportunity, the only opportunity, I do know this. God wants you to walk out of this place today with a level of confidence and hope that even if you lost your life this afternoon, you could spend eternity in heaven with your heavenly father. But for sure that there is an assignment, there is a purpose, there is a vision that God has for your life and it is amazing. There is nothing like it, but it starts with you admitting that you need him. And if you're here, you're willing to confess that it's important that you do. The word says, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart 
that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, then you can be saved. He did that for you. If you know that you need to confess that, I want you to put your hand up right now across this room. I need to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want us just to make eye contact and then you can put your, your hand down. Got it, thank you. Yes, sir. Anyone else? I know I need to call on Jesus. I'm away from you. Thank you. Proud of you. Anyone else? I need to call on Jesus. I got you, bro. Anyone else? Thank you. I see you. Okay. You just know that you're away from him. You're disconnected from God. You're ready to surrender to him. Anyone else? want to lead you in a prayer I'd encourage you to declare that you tell somebody that you've made this decision at some point do it as soon as you can when given the opportunity go public with your faith through water baptism it's the way you demonstrate that you're you're a Christ follower and you're going to follow him but right there in your chair just say a prayer like this say Jesus I need you I confess that I'm a sinner and I know that my sin separates me from a holy God. But I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross. You paid the price for me. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I believe, Jesus, that you rose from the grave. You defeated sin. You defeated death so that I can walk in freedom, so that I don't have to be held captive by sin and when I make mistakes, I can experience your grace if I just come to you. But your mercies are new every morning, but also, Father, that I have a purpose in you that I wanna fulfill. I wanna see the assignment and accept it. I wanna get a hold of your vision and walk it out. According to your word, the leading of you, Holy Spirit, the support and encouragement of the body of Christ. I thank you. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen.